Chapter Three of Geoffrey the Knight and the Fair Brunissande by Jean Bernard Marie Lafont. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Dwarf and the Lance. After Sir Geoffrey had rode on his way, Estou his promise kept, and to each knight restored both horse and arms. That evening he set out for Arthur's court, which he resolved to reach before the jousts and games and banquetings were o'er. Eight days had they been holden in those halls, when he arrived there with his company. T'was after dinner, as the king was seated with his lords, lending an ear to minstrels' tales, and the discourse of the knights, who told of acts of lofty prowess done. The testu came with that armed troop of knights. Having alighted at the palace gates, they soon were led before the worthy king, when, kneeling at his feet, Estu expressed himself in terms like these. Sire, may that high king who made and fashioned all things, he the lord of every sovereign, who hath nor peer nor mate, now save us in your company. Friend, the king replied, God save you and your friends beside. Who are ye, and what come ye here to seek? My lord, I will recount you the whole truth. From Geoffrey, son of Dauvon, come we, to proclaim ourselves your captives, and submit to your just law. Sir Geoffrey hath delivered all these knights whom I had captured, one by one, and who were bound to follow me on foot, for they had mercy only on such terms. Now he hath conquered me by force of arms. And when thou last beheldest him, asked the king, by that true faith thou owest to gracious heaven, say, was he well in health? Yes, sire, by the troth I owe to you, believe that eight days since arise to-morrow's sun i left him sound robust and full of fire he would not even tarry to break bread for he declared no food should pass his lips no joy no pleasure no repose be his until the night named tola he had found he now is on his track and i engage that if he meet him and a chance do get to measure sword with sword it will be strange and he not force him to cry grace for I do not believe the world doth own a braver knight, or one more strong in arms. I speak from proof, who dearly know his force. O oh, heaven in which I trust, cried Arthur, as he clasped his hands, grant me my prayer that Geoffrey safe and sound may back return. Already is he known a doughty knight, and noble are the gifts he hither sends. Leave we now Boldestu to tell his tale, and turn we to our knights. I have related how Sir Geoffrey still went on seeking his foe by valley and by mount, yet neither spied nor heard he living man to give him tidings. He rode on thus, nor met he man or beast, till the high noon was past. The sun had now become intensely hot, and hardly could he bear its burning ray. Still, neither sun nor hunger thirst nor aught beside could cow his spirit determined not to stop upon his road till he had tola met he still progressed though ne'er a soul was seen as he pressed hotly on some hours riding found the youthful knight close by a gentle hill shaded by one of nature's finest trees pendant there hung from an outstretching bough a fair white lance of ash with point of burnished steel. Thinking a knight perchance was resting near, Geoffrey in that direction turned his horse, and galloped towards the spot. When he had reached the bottom of the hill, 
he nimbly leapt him down and walked to the high tree but to his great surprise no soul was there nought save the lance suspended to the bow with wonder then asking of himself why arms so stout and good the point of which like virgin silver shone should there be placed he took it down and his own resting against the mossy trunk handled and brandished this new dainty lance which he discovered to be good as fair good faith quoth he i will e'en keep this arm and leave mine own behind whilst making this exchange a dwarf of frightful shape suddenly rushed from out a neighbouring grove stunted and broad and fat he had a monstrous head from which straight hair streamed down and crossed his back long eyebrows hid his eyes his nose was large and shapeless nostrils so immense they would have held your fists and thick and bluish lips rested on large and crooked fangs a stiff moustache surrounded this huge mouth and to his very girdle flowed his beard he measured scarce a foot from waist to heel his head was sunken in his shoulders high and his arms seemed so short that useless would have been the attempt to bind them at his back as to his hands they were like paws of toads so broad and webbed knight cried this monster woe befalls the man who meddles with that lance thou wilt receive thy dues and dangle on our tree come then give up thy shield sir geoffrey eyed the dwarf and angrily replied what mean you by such tale misshapen wretch this the dwarf set up so loud a cry that all the vale resounded and at once a knight well armed mounted upon a steed in iron cased came with high threats upon his lips exclaiming woe to the man who hath dared touch the lance having the hill attained he geoffrey saw and thereupon he said by heaven sir knight to do what thou hast done is proof thou carest little for thy life and why so lord sir geoffrey calmly asked thou shalt soon learn no man doth touch that lance and get him hence without a fight with me if i unhorse the knight so bold as dare to touch it and conquer him by arms no ransom saves his life i hang him by the neck and on my gallows which thou seest from here full three-and-thirty dangle in mid-air tell me now faithfully sir geoffrey said can he who sues for mercy gain it at thy hands yes but on one condition i have firmly fixed which is that never in his life he cross a horse ne'er cut his hair or pare his nails ne'er eat of wheaten bread or taste of wine and never on his back wear other dress than what his hands have woven should he such terms accept before the fight he may perchance find grace but nought can save the man who once hath fought and if he know not how to weave such dress asked geoffrey the art to weave to shape the cloth and so must then be learned the knight replied say then if thou consent or if thou choose this hour to be thy last i'll not do so quoth geoffrey for too hard the labour seems thou'lt do it well before five years are fled for thou art tall and strong no by my troth i'd rather chance the fight since twould appear i've no alternative take my defiance then cried out the knight and bear in mind the combats to the death so be it said sir geoffrey i'll defend myself 
they drew apart some space with such like words each thinking on his side the victim soon would fall then the knight came and thundered at his foe in shivers flew the lance but geoffrey bore the shock unmoved not so the knight for geoffrey his weapon planting at his shield broke it right through the hauberk too beside and wood and iron for a cubit's length pierced through the shoulder he fell geoffrey with naked blade was by his side but as he saw him thus so poorly sped knight he exclaimed methinks thy hanging trade is done lord cried the wounded man unhappily it is true thou hast too well performed thy work for safety henceforth to be banished hence i will not trust to that quoth geoffrey or at least it shan't prevent my hanging thee in heaven's name my lord i crave thy grace and by what claim can thou obtain it thou who never yet hast granted it to man thou shalt find pity such as those yonder found who once begged grace of thee if good my lord my head have erred my heart's been black and habits villainous guard thee from following in my steps i ask for mercy that should i receive wilt thou a man of lofty virtue choose that ever the reproach should come to thee of hanging up a brave and courteous knight such as i once did bear the title of thou liest in thy throat sir geoffrey said never couldst thou be prized a proper knight but rather i believe an arrant knave who doth a villain's act doth forfeit rank and chivalry alike in vain thy suit no pardon shalt thou find undoing his steel helmet as he spoke he seized a rope and placed it round his neck then dragging him beneath the dismal tree he well and fairly hung him up thereto good friend he then apostrophized the knight the passage may now be considered safe and travellers need fear little more from thee leaving him hanging upon such a dew he rode towards the dwarf as with intent to kill but when the latter saw him thus return crossing his arms full quickly on his breast fair sir he cried i yield to you and heaven but grant me pray your pity of myself no evil have i done since had i disobeyed the knight i should have lost my life maugre myself for fourteen years i've watched this lance which twice a day i burnished woe had betided me if i had bilked such task or failed by signal to advise my lord when it was touched by night this fair my lord hath been my only crime thou mayst have mercy geoffrey said and thou dost that which i shall now command speak good my lord and god confound me if i lose a word rise thee then and hie thee to king arthur's court tell to that king the son of dovon sends thee and present this lance which he hath won the fairest weapon i hath e'er beheld recount to him beside thy lord's ill deeds how that so many worthy knights he'd hung and how in his turn like meed was given unto him my lord exclaimed the dwarf all this i promise you and geoffrey made reply well then be gone it was one monday eve that this fell out just at the setting sun the night came shortly on serene and fair and the full moon shone out as bright as day geoffrey pursued his road for naught could change his purpose and the dwarf prepared to execute his trust at peep of morn 
he started for Carlisle, where, after certain time, he safely came. The king was breaking up his court, which for two weeks he there had held, and knights and barons all were going their way, content and glad, bearing rich guerdons from their noble lord, when curiosity their steps detained at sight of a strange dwarf, who in his hand a handsome lance did hold. This dwarf pushed forward to the palace hall, where each with eager eye observed his shape, for never till that day had they beheld such wondrous man. But he, passing the gaping crowd without remark, straight to the monarch's throne his steps pursued, and there he said, May God, most noble sire, grant you will, albeit my form is strange, yet please you, here, for I do come a messenger from far. Dwarf, said the king, God save thee too, for thou methinks art honest. Speak without fear, and do thy message featly. The dwarf preluded with a sigh, and thus began. Sire, from Dovon's son I bear to you this lance, which has been cause of mourning dire and great. Proud of his valour and his strength, a knight had hung it to a tree upon a hill, where I have watched it, burnished it beside twice every day, for fourteen weary years. If a knight touched it, I, by my cry, aroused my lord, who then, all armed, would rush upon the stranger. Being vanquished, he was quickly seized, and by the neck incontinently hung. T'was thus that three and thirty met their fate, when that the knight, whose messenger I am, conquered this lord, and won the lance, hanging in turn its owner for his deeds. This is the lance that now he sends to you, and here am I, your vassal and your slave. "'Tis well, the king replied, but dwarf, now give me of my faith some news of brave Sir Geoffrey, without a lie, say when thou sawest him last. "'Twas Monday evening, please you, my good lord. I left him when the fray was o'er, and he had finished hanging up the knight. "'And was his health then good? "'Yea, sire, with God's help, and well disposed and gay. "'Good lord, divine and full of glory,' cried the king with clasped hands. "'Grant of your grace that I behold him safe, "'for scant my pleasure and my joys will be, "'till I have held him in these arms again.'" End of chapter 3